You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I did. It was great. I did all of my favorite things. I slept in. I hung out with my wife, Kinsey. We uh, had dinner with some friends from our city group. Uh, wonderful dinner. Uh, shout out Demetodices. Um, and then I ate enough food to put a horse to sleep. So all in all, very successful time. A great time for me. Uh, Kinsey made a pecan pie. It was so good. Uh, and I learned that pecan pie is basically pecans, eggs, butter, and three types of sugars. Uh, so obviously it's delicious. Uh, but because of kind of um, dietary restrictions, Kinsey and I ended up being basically the only ones who ate the pie. Uh, and we ate the pie. Um, and I say we, but you can do the math. You know, one of us contributed more than the other. So then afterwards, after dinner, I went into something, you know, close to a medically induced coma. And then I woke up at 3.30 for work the next morning. And so when I woke up for work, Friday morning, 3.30 a.m., you can bet a lot of things were going through my mind that morning. First, uh, joy. You know, it was a great, wonderful time. And I was, I was so happy to have gotten to spend that time that we did on Thanksgiving. And then, uh, second, a little bit of regret for having you know, the last two pieces of pie and that kind of thing. Uh, but finally, you know, thankfulness. And I, I really felt this moment of just being thankful for, uh, you know, the time that we got to spend uh, with friends, the, the city group time, and, and just thankful for really just the, the blessings that I have. And uh, it made me think about this idea of, of thankfulness after Thanksgiving, and so last week, you know, James, he drew our attention to thankfulness, specifically uh, to the cross. He reminded us that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that because he died, that we can have forgiveness for our sins, and that that's a reason to be thankful. It's a concrete thing to be thankful about. And he said this, he said, thankfulness is God-centered. Only as you choose to focus the lens of your life through the knowledge of God will you begin to live Life consistently defined by a thankful heart. And that was a good word last week when he preached it. And it's a good word for us still today. That because of what Jesus did for us, the natural response for that, the natural response to his sacrifice of love for us is thankfulness. It's a thankful heart. And I think now, on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, it would be easy for us to move on. To say, okay, we got thankfulness, we're done, let's move on. Let's move on to Advent or, or something else. But instead, we've decided to do a two-part series on thankfulness, on Thanksgiving. And so this year, here I am, after Thanksgiving, talking about thankfulness. Because truly, thankfulness doesn't end at Thanksgiving, right? Right? So we're going to ter- return to this topic of thankfulness today. And like last week in James' sermon, it's all going to center around Jesus again. And we're going to talk about why we should be thankful because of him. 
And we're going to look at the book of Colossians today, and we're going to see that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, that really we have more than just forgiveness of sins. In fact, we're going to see we have three more things because of Jesus' death for us. We have an inheritance promised to us. We've been delivered from the domain of darkness. And we've been made citizens of the kingdom of Jesus. So we're going to talk about what each of these things mean, why they matter for us today, and really, why is this something to be thankful about still? So let's jump in. Would you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, this chance for us to come together and sit under your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, yeah, just like Ben said, just that you would be present here, that you would work in and among us. I pray that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be glorifying to you, O oh God, our Lord and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so our text today is from the book of Colossians. If you don't have your Bibles out, grab it. We're going to go to Colossians 1. So a little background on this book. This is a, a letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians in Colossae. Colossae, none of us are Greek, uh, ancient Greek speakers. Maybe you are an ancient Greek speaker, I don't know. But Colossae. Uh, but for those of us who live now in the 21st century, that is in modern day Turkey. So there's the Thanksgiving tie-in because of the turkey. <laughs> so Paul did not start this group of Christians, uh, but he'd heard about them from their mutual friend. And when he heard about him, them, when he and his gang heard about them, he was overflowing with joy. In fact, he starts his letter to them like this. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. So basically, when Paul and his gang learned about the Colossians from their mutual friend Epaphras, thankfulness to God was their response. And so he goes on to talk about how thankful he is for them. That how they came to know Jesus is a story that people are talking about. And how great it is to hear about that and to hear about their love for each other. And so it's that. It's him talking about this story of them, their great story, when we come to what is going to be our passage today. And I'm just going to read it straight through. It's Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And so, from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there's a lot here, but the gist is this. Paul and the gang are praying that the Colossians could grow in their maturity of faith, that they could grow closer to Jesus, that they could live their lives in a way that is glorifying to God. And he says a few ways this plays out. You know, the first he says is, is uh, doing good works. And the second, you know, growing in patience. And these are all good things, but what I want to focus on today is this last part, the part that's in verses 12 through 13. 
He wants them to grow in giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So what Paul wants the Colossians to see is that part of what it means to grow in their faith, part of what it means to grow closer to Jesus, to live in a way that's glorifying to God, is to be thankful. And not just for the forgiveness of sins, um, that our consequences have been paid for, although we are thankful for that. Remember, James spent the whole sermon last week talking about why that's such a big deal, why it's so central to our lives as believers. But what Paul wants us to see is that we should be thankful for even more than that. See, if we do have redemption and forgiveness of sins, verse 14, it says that. He says, in Jesus Christ, through whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. But to stop there would almost be not taking in the full picture. It's like... Paul is saying that to stop there is is almost stunting our spiritual growth. That there's more to be thankful for. And so what we're going to do is we're going to lean into that idea. We're going to lean into these other things that we're thankful for because of what Jesus did for us. And we're going to see what that means for following him. And so let's jump into that. Let's talk about those three. The first thing we see is this line about inheritance. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light, and the saints in light. And so let's talk about inheritance for a minute. I think it's something maybe we don't think or talk about a lot today, but uh, in the first century mind, this is a very uh, present thought. And so imagine right now that your dad is Jeff Bezos. You're probably pretty thankful for your inheritance. Right? In fact, it's not even here yet, but there's something comforting knowing that there is some amount of money coming your way in the future. Right? But really, Paul isn't just talking about money. He's not just talking about you have an inheritance of a big stack of cash coming your way soon. He's talking about more than that. So instead, imagine your dad is Prince Charles. Maybe I've not picked some good dads to think about. But, you know, your inheritance that you're looking forward to is not just money. It's not just an estate. It's not just things. If your dad was Prince Charles, you're in line for the throne of England. And now maybe neither of those inheritances sound like the kind of thing that you want. But you get the picture, right? Right? The point is that the inheritance is something that we don't have yet, but that has implications for us now. And that's what Paul is trying to draw our attention to. He's saying that because of Jesus, we have an inheritance to look forward to. And see, because of what Jesus did, yes, we do have forgiveness of sins. That's the, that's the first part. But we also have been adopted by God, and he has become our father. And see, this is why we get an inheritance. This is why we get to look forward to that. The idea is that before Jesus, the inheritance that we had was death and destruction. We had nothing, and and nothing to look forward to. But because of Jesus, God has adopted us as his children. And part of being adopted as God's children is that he promises us that what is his will be ours. 
So there's a lot there to be thankful about. Man, sometimes that's easier said than done, right? Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our minds around this idea. Sometimes it's hard to picture God as our father. You know, maybe we have bad relationships with our dads. Or maybe we're just in seasons of, of suffering, and it's really hard to be excited about what's going to come when we're really going through it now. Or man, maybe you're just in a dark place, and, and things are looking dark and scary, and, and it's hard to see how this is good news for us now. And, and here's what I want to encourage us with today, is that this is good news not just because we've become God's children, but because God is our Father. Here's what I mean by this. The Lord is strong and He is good, and He has become our Father. And so the idea is that we have Him in our corner. We have the Creator of the universe in our corner as our Father. And you know, I can't promise that having God as your Father is going to make everything good and easy and nice. But I do promise that even in these moments of darkness and suffering and even in these moments of struggling with the idea of a Father and all these things, I can promise that He is on your side, that He's in your corner, that He loves you and He cares about you and He wants good for you, and that He has good plans for you. And that's, that's a reason to be thankful today. So let's keep going. Keep going and talking about what we have to be thankful for. Let's go back to Colossians 1, and I'm going to read the first part of verse 13. It says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Now if the inheritance thing was at all confusing, this is going to be weird. This is going to be tough. What does this mean? What does it mean to be delivered from the domain of darkness? Well, the Bible has themes that it develops. It's got this idea that you're going to find all throughout, and it's this idea that there is real evil in the world, that there is real darkness in the world, and that naturally all of us are under these powers of darkness. In fact, in in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about this a little bit. In Ephesians 6.12, he says something that kind of helps clarify this. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And that's a lot. Right? This is something that we don't typically talk about in church on Sundays. We don't typically spend time talking about these spiritual forces of evil. It is, I would guess, uncomfortable for some of us to talk about. And really, we could do such a deep dive here. This could be a whole sermon. It could be a whole series of sermons. But the the main thing that I want us to catch is that in the Bible, there is this connection between spiritual forces of evil and the evil things that we see in the world. And how exactly they're connected is not spelled out in the Bible. But what is said, what is clear, is that when people walk in disobedience to God, when people do evil things to each other, when we see grave injustices in the world, that these things are somehow connected to the domain of darkness. 
And so it's with this picture in mind that we look at our text. So when Paul says that we've been delivered from the domain of darkness, he's saying that we are no longer under that spiritual darkness. See, because of what Jesus has done, we have victory, not just over sins and death, but also over the forces of darkness in the world. These forces that seek to destroy people in the world. And friends, this is something to be thankful about. What Paul is saying is that these things no longer have a hold on us as believers. We're no longer stuck on those pathways that lead to destruction. We're no longer stuck in the ways that don't lead to life. And in fact, the Bible compares it to slavery, saying that if we're under the domain of darkness, it's like being slaves to darkness. Then we're made to do the things that cause evil and death for us and for those around us. And so being delivered from that domain of darkness means that we have the opportunity to live the lives that we were meant to live. We can live in ways that glorify God, live in ways that lead to life and not death and destruction. And we can live in ways that lead to us being the people that we were meant to be. And maybe this is another hard pill to swallow. Maybe this is another hard thing to chew on. Maybe right now, you don't feel like you're who you're supposed to be. Maybe you feel like you have a hard time distinguishing yourself now from that time when you were under the domain of darkness. I want to encourage you with this. If you are in Christ, you have victory. And whether you feel it or not. And man, sometimes we will not feel it. Lord knows I don't always feel it. Sometimes I do stupid, stupid things. I say things that hurt people. I do things that are hurtful. Sometimes I ask God, Lord, why in the world do I do these things? Or sometimes I'll look around and I'll say, man, things seem to really be out of control here, God. Things seem to really be chaotic right now. Why does it look this way? Why does the world look to be in chaos? Is, is the earth really just a rock spinning through space, hurling into the sun? Where is the victory, Jesus? But the Bible talks about this idea a lot. The Bible talks about this idea of now and not yet. And here, this victory over evil and death and darkness and our deliverance from the domain of darkness, this is one of those things that is kind of now and not yet. So that means is, is that we're delivered from darkness, and by the Spirit we can start the process of rebuilding our lives. But we also know that it's not completely over yet. The Bible compares this to a war. And we know that the victory is secure. The, the war is won. But we're in that phase when the enemies who lost have dug in their heels and they're trying to reclaim any ground they can or trying to make it as hard as possible to the end. But we know, as Christians, that what comes out of this time, that what we're moving towards, is the final defeat and the final victory. We know that a day will come and, and that Jesus is coming, and that when he comes, that he will fix it. 
He's going to fix everything. We have hope that for those of us who have been delivered from the domain of darkness, that we will experience that final victory completely. Where death is not just defeated, but destroyed. And we don't see that yet. And part of this idea of walking in thankfulness and walking in Jesus is living in this space, living in this time of tension. But we have faith that this day is coming. And we have hope. We have hope that it is coming. And that hope and that faith are things to be thankful for. Last thing we're going to see the end of verse 13 is that we've been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. I'm going to read it again. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is by far, I think, the most significant part of these three. It's, it's the one that we could easily spend the most time talking about. And, and really, at the vine, it is the thing that we spend the most time talking about. See, it's, it's the idea that we've been transplanted. You know, like, like Paul said, we used to live in the domain of darkness, but now we live in the kingdom of Jesus. It's like, I imagine the picture of, of refugees. But instead of going from one country on earth to another, it's like we've come from this war-torn kingdom of destruction and death and darkness. And then we've come to this kingdom of, of life and love. And this is the picture of the Christian life. That's what I mean when I say we talk about it so much. This is the Christian life. Paul wants us to see is that, that being a Christian doesn't mean that like you're better than other people or that you have a higher morality than they do or that you try harder No, it means that you're a citizen of a different kingdom. See, living in this kingdom means that recognizing Jesus as your king. It means that you're not only freed from death and destruction, but you're also freed from trying trying to earn your way for salvation. You're not just freed from darkness and death, you're also freed from trying to be good enough yourself. You're freed from trying to be good enough See, being a part of this kingdom means that you've spent enough time under the domain of darkness that you've seen that you are not good enough, that you need a Savior. And you saw that when Jesus came and offered his life for yours, you saw your chance. See, we realize that we could never be good enough. And now we see that, that it doesn't matter. I didn't have to be good enough because he was. Now, because we've responded to that, we've responded to Jesus' sacrifice, we've decided to follow him with our whole life. And that following him, that's what it means to be a part of the kingdom. And friends, what I hope you see is that this is not just another stuffy picture of morality this is hope see like I said before the the Bible tells us that the domain of darkness has been defeated but it's not just defeated 
See, one day, when it's, when it's completely wiped out, when evil is finally destroyed once and for all, the earth will be made new and everything will be fixed. And it's at that time that the world will finally reflect Jesus and his kingdom and not the domain of darkness. And so that, that sounds like abstract ideas, but it's not. It's so concrete. It's the belief that one day all injustices will be wiped out from the earth. It's the belief that one day people will not take and kill, but, but work together and build together. And it's the belief that one day the Lord himself will live with us. And that, like the Bible says, he will be our God and we'll be his people. This living in the kingdom of Jesus is not just a future orientation. It is a hope that we have. It's a belief that we have of what's coming. But we believe that this citizenship is now and that it changes the way that we live today. So as we move towards a time of application, I want to encourage us with a few things in light of the citizenship. First, if you don't know Jesus... I would encourage you to consider him. You know, we talked about a lot of things, a lot of benefits of following Jesus, if you will. A lot of things to be thankful for. But at the core of it all is Jesus. Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have redemption, like Paul said. But we also have more. We have a promise for inheritance. We have a promise for a kingdom that's coming, the defeat of evil and death for all once and for all. And this is good news. And I would encourage you to consider Jesus today. And if you don't know him, man, grab somebody, ask some questions, have a conversation. If you want to know more about him, we just went through the book of Matthew as a church. Just read his story. Read the story of Jesus and get to know him a little better. Either way, I would encourage you to consider following him. You know, he died and rose from the grave so that one day you might too. For those of us who are following Jesus, however long you've been following him, I think there are great reminders here. Great things for us to dwell on, spend time thinking about in the coming weeks, and, and really all year long. First thing I want to do is I want to remind you that these things are all yours in Jesus. Like I said earlier, sometimes I don't feel victorious. I don't always feel like I have an inheritance coming. I don't feel like I've been delivered from the domain of darkness. I don't always feel like I live in the kingdom of Jesus. And if you feel like me, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that even if it doesn't feel true sometimes, even if it doesn't feel true when we're in those dark places, that it is. It is still true. And it makes me think about camping when I was a kid. You know, I used to be terrified of the dark and the woods and, and all the sounds, the, you know, the owls or the, the raccoons rustling. I, I was terrified of all of that. But there's a sense in which, you know, I'm in the tent and I'm so scared of what's going on around me, but, but I know my dad is there in the tent with me. And I knew that he was big and strong and that he could handle whatever monster was out there in the woods. And, and honestly, it didn't make the dark 
any less darker. And it didn't make the sounds less scarier all the time. But I knew that when I was afraid, I could just move closer to him and be closer to that safety. I knew where it was safe to be, and that was next to him. And friends, if you're in a dark season right now and you don't feel victorious, man, I would encourage you to move closer to your Heavenly Father. It might not make the darkness go away. It might not make the world seem less scary in the moment. But I promise that there is a life there. Spend time in His Word and in prayer, drawing closer to Him, drawing closer to your Heavenly Father. It's not some miracle cure. If you spend five minutes a day in each of these things, you'll feel better at the end of the week. But He is your good Father, and He is the King of the universe. He's the creator of everything, and he's trustworthy. Lean into that relationship. And finally, you know, we're talking about thankfulness here. And I just want to encourage us to cultivate thankfulness in our lives. You know, remember Paul said that, that maturing in our faith, that part of that means growing in thankfulness. So I would just encourage you, build rhythms into your life. Build rhythms where we can be reminded of how good the Lord is to us and how good he's been. And let's try to cultivate thankfulness out of that. We want to make space for us to remember the good things that he's done and to be thankful for them. We want to remember Paul's words. That we should be giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, that he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So let's be a thankful people. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus who came and lived, and died, and rose again, and that through him that we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins, and that we also have inheritance, we also have been delivered from the domain of darkness, and that we also have a citizenship in the new kingdom, in your kingdom. And God, we recognize that we don't always feel that way. We recognize that sometimes it's hard to feel thankful. It's hard to feel like Sons and daughters, it's hard to feel like we've been delivered from something and, and transferred into something else. But Lord, we just pray that you would work through your spirit in our hearts and our minds. That you could grow this, these feelings uh, in us, these feelings of love, uh, these feelings of thankfulness. Lord, at the end of the day, we just realize that, we just recognize that none of this is stuff that we're doing. That none of this is our goodness. It's just all your goodness, Lord. And we thank you for how good you are to us. We thank you for all you give us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.